The following audio is from Jacob's Well Church. For more information about Jacob's Well Church, please visit www.jacobswellgb.org. Matthew 9, uh, we're going to start at verse 9. It's on page 814 of the Bibles in the back. Um, this is a passage that is very special to Friend of Sinners Church because it's one of those passages where Jesus is called a friend of sinners and tax collectors as a moniker. It's as an insult. But when we as sinners look at it, we think, thank God Jesus is a friend of sinners because otherwise who would I have? Um, so uh, chapter 9 of Matthew, starting in verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose up and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners." Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would guard my mouth, fill it with your words, open the hearts of everyone here by your Holy Spirit to receive what you would say to your people. Lord, be gracious to us. We need to be fed. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. So we have two stories here. Both stories are linked together. And, and the way this works is that out of each story, Jesus gives a command. In the first story, the command that Jesus gives is, follow me. In the second story, the command that Jesus gives is, go and learn. So what we're going to talk about this morning is the intersection between those two commands. Why does the Lord in Scripture here, why, does, why did he inspire Matthew to tie these two commands together so tightly? And so what, we, what we're going to start with is looking at the follow me piece. All right, so, so in order to understand the follow me piece, we're, we're going to just start, start to think about Matthew, the IRS agent, who is stealing money right? Thief. Taking my hard-earned money. Matthew was a tax collector for Herod Antipas. He didn't collect taxes directly for Caesar, but Herod was in power because Caesar put him there or allowed him to stay there. And as a tax collector, Matthew was quite wealthy. The way he got paid was by taking a little bit extra when the tax came through, and he could skim off the top. And so typically, tax collectors could be quite wealthy. Uh, 
and that was kind of an exchange for having the job. What would happen is there was this attraction of wealth, but as a result of taking this position, you would become hated in the Jewish community uh, because you represented the Roman government. And, and in fact, there was, a, I wouldn't call it an excommunication quite, but, but you were basically not considered part of the Jewish nation. You were, you were considered a traitor. So, so a lot like IRS agents today. Uh, because it was considered, you know, there, there was a lot of theft, there, there was a lot of compromise on theology, and so, um, you know, it was just difficult. And, and the kind of, because he was on the Sea of Galilee, it's, we can pretty much guess that what, what uh, Matthew was, was an export-import tax collector, which meant that he, he sat on the road and he had a booth. And, and this booth was set kind of high and lifted up. And he would sit at the top of it, and he'd be looking at all the people carrying their fish across the, the line for Herod Antipas. And he'd say, okay, in order to bring that fish in, I need a tax from you. Or, you know, so everybody goes by, gets, they get skimmed, whatever goods they have. So, so he pretty much was on the road hearing all the gossip, hearing everything that was going on. And, and I'm sure <clears throat> that he heard the talk about Jesus because, you know, even before the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had already been healing people, been casting out demons. He, he became well-known in all of Syria. So there was a lot of talk about Jesus. And so when he saw Jesus coming by, he wasn't ignorant about who Jesus was. He's probably fascinated about this man doing miracles and teaching through, through the, the whole region there. And uh, so, so what did it mean for Matthew when Jesus walks up to his booth and he says, follow me? He kind of has a sense, right? This is Jesus. This is the one doing miracles. This is... You know, what, what's going through his mind? Why is he talking to me? This is, a, this is a rabbi. And he's talking to me. And then not only is he talking to me, but he's saying, follow me. Like he actually wants me to be with him. You know? Now, what's going to happen if I follow him? I'd be stepping out of a very lucrative job. These jobs do not come easy because they're so lucrative. So he steps out of that tax booth, somebody else steps in. So he loses the source of all of his income once he follows Jesus. And he's not going to get that job back. Now the second thing is he's walking away from every other job in all of Jerusalem. Who's going to hire a guy who used to be a tax collector? He's already hated He's already put out of the community. What, you're going to hire that guy? Not at the standard of living he had. It's kind of like, this is maybe a poor illustration, but it's kind of like, you know, once you're a felon, every single job application you fill out, you, you have to check that box. I'm a felon. It's hard to get a job. It would have been hard for Matthew to get a job. Now, and he does it. 
he steps out of the booth, walks away from all of his wealth. Well, he still had his wealth, right? Because it's sitting at his house. Now, we know from some of the other accounts in the book of Mark and in the book of Luke that this house isn't just any house where this dinner party takes place. It's Matthew's house. Matthew, in the other accounts, is called Levi. Levi is his, um, it's his Jewish name. Matthew is his Greek name. So, so when Matthew describes himself, he even doesn't see himself as part of the Jewish community. He uses his Greek name in his own, in his own gospel. And so what does he do? He... he Instead of conserving the money that he had all saved up, he's not going to conserve it. So instead of doing that, he spends it. He throws a big party. Now, is this wise? Think about this. He already left his lucrative job, which he'll never get back. He already knows he's not going to get another job in Jerusalem. And now he's spending the money he has on a big party. He is sold out committed, isn't he? Think about that. Is that something I would do? Is that something you would do? Just leave everything behind and spend the money you have? It's, it's kind of ridiculous. So, so it's at his house. Jesus is the guest of honor. And it's very public. When you had a party at your big house in this area at this time, people from the street would look in and they could see the party going on. They could see everybody who's there. So what does it mean once Jesus enters into this house and he begins to be associated with tax collectors and sinners? Well, a sinner would be somebody who violated God's law or violated Pharisaical laws, right? Somebody who would be considered reprobate. Uh, a, a good illustration of this for a tax collector might be the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, when uh, Jesus called him into his, uh, to have dinner over at Zacchaeus' house, do you remember what Zacchaeus said? I'm going to return every, everybody that I cheated, I'm going to return their money four times. And, and what often is missed in this is Zacchaeus, the, tax, the chief tax collector, is confessing sin when he does that. Because if you get... If, if you realize you've sinned and taken money from somebody and you needed to repay it, then, then the biblical requirement was that you pay back double so that you get, you get the feel of what it's like to have that money taken away from you. I think it's part of the rationale for it. But if somebody catches you, you pay back double, double, four times. Four times the amount. What Zacchaeus was saying to Jesus when Jesus said, I'm coming to your house, is he saying, I, I've been caught, I'm paying back double-double, I'm confessing that what I've done is wrong. And so, so there is a sense of wrongness in it that even the tax collectors know, even this chief tax collector knows. And the problem with Jesus being in the dinner at Matthew's house is that when you eat with somebody... There's an association in first century Palestine. There's an association, there's a, there's a fellowship that's occurring in the middle of that. And, and it's even a sense of forgiveness or reconciliation that's part of it. And so 
<clears throat> the Pharisees are looking at this and saying, what, what's going on here? Jesus is a holy rabbi. He's teaching people. He's just, you know, he's given the Sermon on the Mount. He's casting out, he's doing all this stuff. And now here he is with sinners and tax collectors. This is, this is weird. And, and they've been kind of ticked off already because the story right before this is the story of the paralytic where instead of healing the man right away, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees said, wait, that's blasphemy. So they're already a little ticked off. They're already, they're, the, the, the yellow flag went up and now the red flag's going up. And they're looking at, looking at, uh, at Jesus in here eating with all these people and you know, it's, it's similar to the attitude perhaps that Paul had in 1 Corinthians 5 where Paul's talking about don't, don't eat with somebody who is pretending to be a Christian but not living the Christian life. Remember that? I mean, that's a New Testament command, right? So is this unusual for the Pharisees to be asking this question? Probably not. I mean, they, it's, it's, it's reasonable. But, but here's, here's the difference. When Paul talks about it, he's talking about somebody who's unrepentant. And what's happened with Matthew? What happened when he took that step out of the tax booth? Repentance is when you had been going one way and you turn around and go the other way. And that's what Matthew is doing spiritually when he steps down. He's saying, I'm walking away from my old life. I'm starting a new life. And I am going to celebrate this man who I'm following. And I'm going to throw a party and spend as much money as I want with all my friends who see this man as somebody unusual. The Pharisees don't see that as repentance, but Jesus does. Jesus does just like when he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. From Revelation 3.20, which he says to members of the church, I will come in. I will eat with you. Why? It's fellowship. It's reconciliation. Reconciliation with the holy God. Now, Jesus also ate with Pharisees, right? Many, many stories of Jesus eating with Simon the Pharisee. And remember the woman who washed his hair, or washed his feet with her hair. So, so eating with somebody in this case, and in cases like it, seems to depict a sort of restoration from Jesus' point of view. His whole incarnation. We're all sinners. Jesus came to us. He ate with us. He lived with us. So, so this, is, this is a restoration of relationship. And it's because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's why. Now, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a car down in Milwaukee that's covered with all kinds of verses have you heard about this car, the, the evangelism car, some people call it? Some, it's got the nickname the condemnation car from the rest of the city. But it's got a little horn, bullhorn on the, on the top of it, a megaphone to, to say things to people. And, and it gives the gospel. And it, and it, but, but contrast that with what Jesus is doing. 
Jesus is going to eat with people. The car drives down the road. And is it giving the truth? Is it true that if you don't have Jesus, you'll wind up in hell? Is that true? Yeah. So it's true. But look at what Jesus is doing. He's not hunting down the sin. He's, he's going to befriend the sinner. If, if, and, and I think this is a lesson for all of us. Sometimes, you know, when we're looking for the lost, to save the lost, we think about pointing out sin. And, and that is something you can do in a good relationship. But, but anyone whose total goal is to point out sin is going to have a heyday, aren't they? Because look at us. So what, is, what does Jesus do? Jesus knew that these sinners in this room where he was having dinner probably didn't have much of a problem seeing their sin. So he was not condemning. He was in the business of restoring. Jesus was looking at Matthew who saw his sin and turned. He repented. He gave up his earthly future to gain a heavenly future. Jesus asks us to give up an earthly future, to gain a heavenly future. Jesus says to Matthew, follow me. Jesus says to us, follow me. Now, he treated the Pharisees differently. So, so to the Pharisees, he gives this command, go and learn. And to understand this, you've got to understand the position of the Pharisees. They were religious teachers. Uh, they were the keepers of the law. They guarded the keeping of the covenant. And so the Pharisees questioned Jesus's action. Why does your teacher, in verse 11, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Which Jesus then starts to rebuke. And, and the reason for that, I think, is in part from the question, who, who would he eat with if he didn't eat with sinners? Right? If Jesus was to only eat with the holy ones, who would he be eating with? There'd be nobody to eat with. Right? I'd like to give you another reminder from Paul and eating with people. This is from 1 Corinthians 5 where Paul says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy, or swindlers, or idolaters, because then you'd need to go out of this world. God expects you to be rubbing shoulders with people like that. The Pharisees weren't expecting to be rubbing shoulders with people like that. God expects it. Jesus expects and asks Matthew to follow him because his mission is redemption. The Pharisees don't seem to consider themselves sinners. They're not putting themselves in that category. And that's kind of an indication that they're not feeling repentance. So Jesus responds by saying, those who are strong, the, the Greek word there is strong, it's translated well, those who are well, healthy, strong, have no need for a doctor, but the sick do need a doctor. 
Now, I have doctors as friends, and I have doctors who look at me, and I don't tend to mix the two. It's awkward, especially as you get older. You older folks know what I'm talking about. I don't make a doctor's appointment to chat. I go to a wellness visit because I want to find out what's wrong with me. <laughs> Am I well? Right? And doctors just do stuff that make you feel awkward. So, so, so here's the deal. What the Pharisees need is a wellness visit, right? They need the equivalent of a wellness visit. They think they're fine. And, and it gets awkward with them. But they need a wellness visit because there's something wrong here that they're not seeing. Jesus tells them, go and learn. That's his... Why? <laughs> he doesn't tell them what's wrong. He just says, go and learn. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Why does he tell them to go and learn? Because they're the teachers of Israel. They should know this. They do know this, but they need to think about it. Go and learn, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Where is that? That's in Hosea 6. He's pointing to a passage of Scripture in Hosea. Throughout the book of Hosea, Israel is treated as an adulterous wife. Israel thinks they're fine. Sacrifices are going on. They're routine. But they need to be shown their sin. And Hosea is trying to show them their sin. And he says in, in Hosea 6, starting at verse 4, What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud. What happens to a morning cloud on a warm day? It just disappears, doesn't it? Like the dew that goes away. In the morning. Therefore, I have hewn them by the prophets, I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and my judgment goes forth as the light. For I desire steadfast love, which can also be translated mercy. Steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Look, God is more interested in your steadfast love and knowing him than in empty obedience that becomes routine. The call to go and, la go and learn is not a call to go learn knowledge for the sake of knowledge. It's a call to love and repentance. See that? It's a call to love. It's a call to mercy, steadfast love, love for God every day and moment in every step you take, every time you make a business deal, every moment of every day, steadfast love and mercy toward God, knowing him, not knowing about him, not knowing about him, knowing him. Because when you know him, that is when you see your sin. You hearing me? You ever wonder why you, you tend to go in these 
you know, you got sanctification going on, and, and you started sinful, and, and you drew close to the Lord, and it was miraculous, and you, all of a sudden you went, oh, I understand now, and you got better. You became a little bit more obedient. And then as you, as you studied Scripture, the light of Christ shone in your life, and you found more sin. And it was like, oh, I thought I was done with that. And, and so you grow closer to him, and you feel really good, and you get to that next level, and the light of Christ shines brighter, and all of a sudden you go, ooh, what's this? I got more sin in me. And it's like, the closer you get to God, the more sinful you feel. Do you ever feel like that? It's because the light of Christ is shining on your soul. It's a good thing, not a bad thing, for God to show you your sin. This is what, this is what Jesus is trying to do with the Pharisees. See your sin. Go and learn. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Uh, I'll illustrate this this way. I, my anniversary is in December. We had our 33rd anniversary last December. So <clears throat> imagine this. I go to the store, probably the grocery store, because I don't know where to get flowers otherwise. <laughs> and I find the most fantastic, I'm borrowing this illustration, by the way, from John Piper, so I should give credit where credit is due. I'm going to get the finest flowers I can. I'm going to get a dozen of them. I'm going to get, oh, they're going to be just beautiful. They're going to be the best, right? 33 years deserves, I'll get 33 roses. I'm just laying it all out there. I'm going to, you know, I don't care if it's a buck a rose. Okay, I'm just, <laughs> I'm getting them, all right? And I'm going to bundle them all up. And, and instead of going into the house through the garage, I'm going to ring the doorbell. And I'm going to have this bouquet of roses there. And, and when Sherry comes to the door, she, she goes, what are you doing? What's, oh, Dan, roses. You've never bought me flowers in your life. No, she's, she's going to say, roses, they're so beautiful. You didn't have to do this. Imagine if I would say, yes, I did. It was my duty. That's worth a week on the couch. <laughs> this, is what, this is what God is saying. This is what God is saying. I, I don't want you going through your Christian life because it's your duty. I want you to love me because I love you that much. I want you to have all that desire fulfilled in you, that you feel that emptiness, all of that, that urging to be united with the creator, your creator. I want your fulfillment like that. Come to me, not duty, love, steadfast love. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That's what he's saying to these Pharisees. Go and learn this. The Pharisees were blind to their sin. They couldn't see their sin. And yet they were the ones supposedly instructing Israel on what is right and what is wrong and what sin is. You know why Jesus called them blind guides? That's why. 
To Matthew, Jesus issued a call to repentance. He said, follow me. To the Pharisees, Jesus issues a call to go and learn, to understand their sin, because he wants repentance. These are both about repentance. Remember when I said at the beginning, why do we have these two very different commands all tied together in one story? Both are about repentance. Both are about God's mercy. Both are, are about our unity with him, our reconciliation with him. Ours is a ministry of reconciliation. This way. This way. I do reconciliation in the city. That's what I do. Between the races. It doesn't work unless I have this reconciliation first. Because once I have this, now I'm family. I'm family with everybody who knows Christ, who has God as their heavenly Father. Now I've got brothers and sisters. That's, what, that's where Jesus is driving here. He came for a reason, to seek and save the lost. Both Matthew and the Pharisees, apart from Christ, are in danger of that same fate that's on the condemnation car in downtown Milwaukee, and that is eternal punishment for sin. But God is merciful. He says, come follow me. He says, if you confess with your mouth that I am Lord and believe in your heart that God raised me from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise to you. It's a promise. So here's the question. How is Jesus calling you? And I'm going to help you with this question. I'm going to give you a little diagnostic. If, if what you're thinking in your heart is, I don't belong here with these righteous people, or if your feeling in your heart is, I can't pray today because I did a really bad sin, and I don't think I can be in the presence of God. then what God is calling to you tonight, today, is follow me. Because those, that's a heart of repentance. And he wants you. Follow me. On the other hand, if you're sitting here this morning thinking, I think I'm doing pretty well. I think I got this Christian life thing pretty much together. Um... Because I know what sin is like, and, you know, I know the group of sinners. I know the ones who are sinful in this building. If that's what you're thinking, then Christ has a call for you too. And the call is, go and learn. Not go and learn about things. But go and know Christ. Let that light shine into your life, into every corner, lightening up every shadow, so that you can see that sin 
Because he who is forgiven much loves much. That's right. If any of us have lost sight of our offense, then it's time to appeal to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would show us our sin and that in our repentance you would allow us to go and learn and to follow you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.